Hey, spirit friends. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because that would be foolish on our part to play pretend. Or maybe very wise. You know, I've um, I've been considered both. Foolish and wise. Yes. I've seen I've seen them both. <laughs> well, I've been considered both by you. That's true. <laughs> Sometimes in the same minute. That's true. It's part of my uh, just iconic style. That's true. My personality style. The foolish sage. <laughs> the sage-like fool. I'm here for it. I own both sides of myself. I mean, Angel regard. does have an aspect of his personality that is like a cartoon character, and I always really appreciate that. <laughs> There's like a like a wide-eyed, like silly putty quality. Silly putty? <laughs> yeah, like your facial expressions sometimes are like, yeah, there's like a Bugs Bunny, Gumby sort of archetype <laughs> that you can embody from time to time. Huh. Well, I mean, I watched a lot of those cartoons at some point in my life. So they informed you. Yes, I think they probably did. I also probably just wanted to like be a cartoon in general when I was younger. So it's a safe space, cartoons. Yeah. I want to tell you something about cartoons that just came to mind. But first, we should introduce ourselves. Let's do it. In case it's your first time listening. Hi, we're the Spiritual Gaze. Welcome. I'm, I'm Angel. I am a writer, uh, a teacher, an astrologer, a healer, queeler. And uh, I am the husband to me, Brandon. Uh, I am a queer spiritual healer. I am a tarot reader and an astrologer. I'm a teacher of these things. Uh, also animist practices. I'm also a writer and a performer. And that is us. That's us. Hi. Um, have I ever told you the story about where I would like watch cartoons in this big mirror in my parents' bedroom? No. So when I was little, like super little, you know, like three, four, I remember, because I would like, that was like when I was like trying to sleep in my bed, but then I would always end up just like crawling into my parents' bed. And they had this like massive mirror. It was like a part of like a big dresser situation, like across from their bed and um, like across from the foot of their bed. And I would just like lie there, not really trying to fall asleep, but I... In, I mean, assume in my imagination, but it was so intensely real. I would like watch cartoons, like essentially on the big screen TV of their mirror. And I would totally like, they would be full on cartoons. I can still see it vividly in my head when I remember it. Um, Wait, hold on. I'm not understanding this story. So there, there wasn't like a TV <laughs> no. reflecting cartoons into the mirror? No. So like, you're just laying on your parents' bed and you're looking at a mirror and you're seeing cartoons play out in yeah, the mirror? I would like see cartoons playing out in the mirror. With and like I, sound and stuff? Like No, there was no sound. Just visuals. Yeah, I would just be watching these visuals. Had you eaten mushrooms? Yes. <laughs> Three. Uh, there was this kid on the on the preschool playground who was dealing mushrooms. No, like I guess I just had like I mean I had a I had and still have an intensely vivid imagination, but that was like how my imagination played out. But I was like so convinced that they were real, and I remember telling my mom like, "Oh, I'm I can you know I want to watch the cartoons in the mirror." 
And I also remember like my mom getting annoyed because I would like wake her up laughing because I would like laugh at the cartoons and she'd be like, go to sleep. And I'd be like, I'm watching the cartoons. And she would fully like Bethany Frankel me and be like, go to sleep. Okay. This is a crazy story. (laughs) So for some reason you mentioning the cartoons, I was just reminded of that and wondered if I'd ever told you that story. I mean, for all we know, one of those cartoons from the mirror took possession of your soul at three years old. And that's why you're a cartoon. (laughs) And I want to know where the real angel is. Wow. This took a left. He's trapped in that mirror. I don't know, honey. Right now I'm staring at this like very intense beanie baby that lives in this room where we're in and its eyes are staring at me and it looks like something that is possessed by a cartoon. To be fair, it's not a beanie baby. Oh, that's not? It's not actually a beanie baby. It's made by the same company, but it's like the next iteration of beanie baby. Um, We watched that whole documentary, P.S. y'all. Yeah, about the beanie babies. It was it was worth the watch. Yeah, it was super entertaining. I mean, Highly I was recommend. a person that had all of those beanie babies. My brother and my mom and I were like obsessed with collecting them. We even had the like rare Princess Diana beanie baby. Yeah. And then rats in the attic ate them. <laughs> it's, so a sad, sad. it's a sad story. Oh, it's God. a sad story. What a horrible end they met. Oh, rats in the attic, honey. They get you every time. Rats in the attic. A Lifetime original movie. Starring Jessica Lange. Oh, is she doing Lifetime original movies now? She's doing the voices of the rats in the attic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. There's like one old rat that like smokes. Used to be a movie star. Oh. It's Jessica Lange. Well, that is a part of her iconic um, personality as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, anyhow, that's... Welcome to our show. If you've never listened before. I mean, that story is insane. I could unpack that for, for hours and days, but I think we should just move on. Yeah, yeah. Let the gazers unpack it. I would themselves. love everyone to unpack it and, you know, send me thoughts, ideas. You know, I'm look, I was born a storyteller and was ready to tell stories from the age of three. Should we do a little check-in? Sure. Well, why don't you, why don't you tell everybody how you're doing these days? I think you should go first. No, girl, I bring it down. <laughs> I bring it so down. I think we should I think we should stick on stick on this track and let you let you bring bring everybody up. Uh, I always feel like I start these things and I'm like, yeah, guys, and everything's there. And then you're like, Well, good for you. <laughs> I'm always feeling like, wow, I feel like a terrible person. All right. Now. Okay. Well, I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> Thank you for voicing your needs. I will check in. Um, I am doing terribly. It's been eight weeks since my mom passed away. As my therapist said, I am in a descent. This is the trajectory of grief. It's kind of like Persephone going into the underworld. So I'm definitely being pulled under. I was in my non-binary support group, shout out to my non-binary support group. And somebody in that group was talking about their experience with grief when their father passed and how one of the things that they kind of understood socially and culturally after a couple of weeks was everyone just kind of saying like, well, now you got to get over it. And I haven't been experiencing that. Nobody has told me to get over it yet. So I just want to say thank you to the culture. I can feel it a little bit, but the phrase get over it was actually very useful for me. Because I realized that what I want to do is the opposite. Like, I want to get all the way under it. Like, I want to get under this grief. Almost like it were a blanket. Not that it's soft or comforting or warm, but that, like, it's what I have right now. It's kind of all I have. And so I am trying to 
carve out some time and space for myself to get all the way under it. Because in these last eight weeks, even though we haven't been as good with spiritual gay stuff as we usually are, I've been working kind of nonstop in terms of like clearing out my mom's house and getting it on the market and going through her stuff. And there's just, I've been really busy and working really hard. It's been like a full-time job. We've been like selling all of her things on the real reel, which has been a total pain in the ass and another full-time job and something I could get into, but I won't. Angel shaking his head. He's like, do not get Brandon started on so the fucking real tirade reel. Against the do reel, not. Please. Maybe at another time. So I have booked a little cabin in the desert for two weeks at the end of September. And I'm going to go out there with some instant oatmeal and a bunch of books and a keyboard. And I'm just going to be in the desert and kind of let things integrate. But that's like almost a month away. So I'm just trying my best to show up for what needs me to show up for it and trying to reprioritize and yeah, just get all the way under it. It sucks, y'all. This is, you know, the, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. I can like say that, you know, confidently. And obviously this is going to change me and has already changed me. And as a spiritual teacher and just being, it feels really crucial that I tend to this rupture and notice how I'm transforming through it. But not to bring it all the way down, since that's what I've been doing in these check-ins lately. Uh, I had a really amazing psychic reading with this woman, Rebecca Berry, who I met when I did my breathwork teacher training many years ago. She's amazing. Um, she is incredibly, incredibly intuitive. And I reached out to her and she knew my mom and uh, we're friendly, but she was able to help me kind of spiritually reset. And she was also able to pick up on some things that I wasn't able to articulate for myself. Um, one of those things being that my mom is coming to me in butterflies, which I kind of already been thinking. It wasn't one of the like symbols my mom and I had talked about her coming to me as when she was alive, but like just immediately after her passing, butterflies were coming to me in, in many ways, shape and form. And just she owned a lot of butterflies. And so when Rebecca said that to me unprompted, I was like, okay. And then that same day, one of her caretakers texted me and said, I had a dream about your mom last night and she was four beautiful blue butterflies. And I was just like, okay, what is going on? This is wild. It's amazing. And then Rebecca also just kind of helped me understand that with my mom gone from the physical realm, the like protective shield that she created for my brother and I from some of our more vampiric family members is no longer intact. And so I'm being kind of preyed upon energetically and emotionally and otherwise, which is also why I'm like feeling so tired and it's just like adding to the grief and I'm very vulnerable right now. So she really helped me in some ways, just kind of wrap my head around how I might be able to better protect myself and move forwards with some stronger boundaries. And it's just nice when somebody can speak the same language that you do. And Rebecca, and I speak a fairly similar spiritual language. And so it was just nice for somebody to kind of like reflect back to me what I'm going through and give me some skills. And I've, I've felt a shift since that session and feel like a little bit more connected to, to my spiritual nature as I move through all of this. So that's my check-in, bitch. Well, that's good. I mean, I feel like it can be hard to hold on to, at least for myself, speaking for myself, um, it can be hard to hold on to that like spiritual connection when you're going through like a grief process because it brings up so many questions around spirit and what's real and what's not, you know, you kind of go through a lot of that stuff. Um, I know you had talked about um, off, off 
the show um, had talked, we, we had been talking about just like wanting to like feel her in your waking life more not really like having that. And Oh yeah, for um, sure. And I don't. Yeah. But, the, and that, you know, I didn't have that for months too with my, you know, after my dad passed and I like remember that brought up a lot of like spiritual questioning for me too of like, well, wait, where's my spirit? Um, like I'm a spiritual being. Shouldn't I have just that like immediate spiritual connection to it? And it was like so frustrating for me. And then um, over time it started to kind of show up more in its own way. And I found my way into it. Um, so it's nice that you had like a, a session that helped at least forge your own like spirituality a, a little more. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mean like I feel more connected to my mom's spirit. I just mean that I felt more spiritually resourced after having that session with Rebecca. And right, it just came yeah. at the right time because I was giving a bunch of healings, you know, in that same kind of time frame. And that actually helps me feel more spiritually resourced from doing a lot of that sort of work. Um, so it just like, it was, it was like those defibrillators, you know, when they come and they like shock you back to life. I felt mm -hmm. like I got like a little spiritual shock. And of course it's my job to like keep tending to it and make sure that lamp stays lit, which is hard to do. But yeah. I feel, I feel like I've got a little bit more mojo than I did a couple weeks ago. But enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> uh, well, I think you're great. Go on. Um, you know, funny, handsome, charming. Why'd you stop? I don't know. I can't remember every, all the other things you texted me to say. <laughs> I can look at my notes, though. <laughs> it's fine. You got the point across. <laughs> um, How are you? What's going on? Uh... Well, I mean, obviously, like, I am also going through a version of all of this, too. So, you know, it's been, like, the last couple months have been obviously very challenging. Um, primarily just, like, I feel like, you know, it's a lot of, like, stops and starts of, like, getting other things back on track, so to speak. You know, whatever that means, I guess. Or finding a new track for certain things, I guess I should say. Like for other, pr primarily work. Um, but also like emotional relationships. Like both of those have been kind of like the things that uh, are challenging for me to sustain. Um, and I was just talking to my therapist about this who was gone for like a month. And so thankfully, and then I was gone from therapy for like a month and a half before that because I was in production. So I've been just therapy-less, which I really need because it is kind of, besides you, the most sustained relationships I've, I've had going for the last like two years. No, totally. Um, Our accountant just asked us, she was like, do you consider therapy like a personal or a business expense? And I was like, <laughs> Well, I guess technically it's a personal expense, but like, how does anybody do business without therapy? Totally, yeah. And also, isn't it a medical expense? But fucking taxes. Yeah. Go on. Um. So, yeah. So thankfully, therapist is back. Shout outs to Jessica. And it's just been nice uh, to have that, you know, space to go to and really kind of collect myself and my thoughts. Um, but we were talking about all this and you know she was just like i don't feel like you really take into account just like how much you've been through you know like obviously we've all collectively been through a lot 
Um, but she was like, just look at your life over the last like couple years. And, you know, both of us dealing with the passing of a parent and, you know, that would be enough as it is, you know, on top of like starting a business and moving and, you know, like, you know, we did all of these big life things, um, all at the same time to some degree. And I really like dove into like a big creative career, which is incredibly vulnerable or like a new version of my creative career career with putting myself there out there as a writer. And, um, yeah, that's been like so fucking vulnerable for me. Um, and there have been multiple simultaneous pandemics happening in the world. Yes, on top of that. So, um, yeah, so it's just been like uh, me just trying to like get really present with myself and with everything. Like I have found myself like just being so angry and frustrated, like quietly with myself about like what I didn't accomplish in the day. And I've just been really trying to release that you know, for myself that like, it's okay because some days like, you know, the emotions are going to bubble up and I need to be present for them. Some days your emotions are going to bubble up and I... Some days. (laughs) But I'm just saying for me, like I am, you know, then present for that experience with you and, you know, obviously like just wanting to like be a safe, soft space for you as best I can can and i do a good job sometimes and not a great job sometimes but But i would give you an a (laughs) thanks well i think it's for it's hard for me because i then beat myself up because i'm like oh well i allowed myself to go do that instead of like just sitting down and doing the work i need to do and just recognizing that like that is okay and we're taken care of and we're okay right now. Um, so I can like honor everything that like wants to come up. So, um, I'm sure a lot of people out there are like nodding and snapping and being like, I feel you angel. Yeah. It's important to really just like honor the space we're in as best we can. And look, I'm, I'm at a place where, you know, I've gotten to like 45 and have been able to craft a life, um, where, you know, I'm, I'm not forced to go report to a job, you know, um, but I was for a very long time. So I'm also, I'm trying to honor the fact that like, oh, I can actually be in my space and do these. Whereas like, I used to have to be in a fucking cubicle, you know, (laughs) and like trying to like navigate emotions. I'm always trying to like be in like this blessed gratitude space too, for just like the personal experience of where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, But what I hear you giving voice to is the challenge of living in late stage capitalism, where there's always that voice that's like, how productive were you today? And like, here are the things you have to do so that you can continue to make money. So you continue to like survive and not be homeless. And then the other voice that's like, but those are not the things that like your soul came here to do. Or like, that's not the most important thing that you do today. And it's so hard. And I know everybody's struggling with that, right? That there's this idea of, what is actually like being monetized in our life, you know? And then like, what is actually of value? And the things that are monetized aren't necessarily always of value. Yeah, and sensitive shout outs to all my Taurus placement people because you're really experiencing it. Yeah, with that Uranus and Taurus. But who, everyone's, honestly. I just just also mean like, because a lot of our value is tied up in like things Mm. and actual money. 
Yeah. So it there is like even just like a tinge. Or, and my Capricorn peeps too. My Virgo peeps as well. But you're right. Everybody. Because we're all under the umbrella of this. Because we're all living in fucking late stage capitalism. World. Which is like fucking our souls out through our body. Yeah. It's a real challenge. It's, it's really rough. For sure. You're not alone out there, everybody. No, you're not alone. I'll wait till the end of time for you. I saw the stupidest tweet that made me laugh so hard, and it's going to be so niche, but I'm just going to share it now. And I don't know what's the connection, but somebody tweeted like, having AirPods is like having something you love go to something you lose. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from into the woods oh my gosh and i was just like why is that the funniest like, thing even AirPods, i was like what airpods only go from something you love to something you lose oh my god that's hysterical <laughs> i love that you you were just related to that or responded to that because of the into the woods reference 100 percent. because you don't know that experience of airpods because you don't have i don't have airpods but i can only imagine that that <laughs> totally. is the experience because how would you not lose them they are tiny little things I, and and the unconscious connection was just capitalism and yeah. fucking Apple being the worst and how they like <laughs> literally program their shit to break down so you have to buy more of it because... <sighs> but do they? Because look at you. You've had a phone since 1997. I the same know. Phone. And they are trying so hard to make me <laughs> upgrade it. And I I'm never like, I will. will I know. I'm such a weird Aquarius in that I like technology, but I also hold on to antiquated technology for as long as I possibly can. Like that I don't doesn't feel weird to me. Well, Aquarius is technology, but we are contrary. So I guess like if exactly. everybody needs the new phone, I'm like, fuck the new phone. The old one's working just fine. Yeah, I feel like that's... Me and my iPhone 7 are very happy. Thank you. <laughs> but look... In this world, what I've also just been trying to focus on, too, is, like, the beautiful little things and the little moments of the day and really just, like, being super present to those as well. You know, like, they're just little joys. So, shout-outs to the peeps at the Reborn Coffee for bringing me little joys. There was a lovely counter. Um, you know, the woman who worked behind the counter complimented my nails today. Yeah, made and also, me feel really good. And also the tall guy that you think is very sexy. The extremely tall, <laughs> extremely handsome man who works behind the counter who was chatting with me. One day, all the employees of Reborn Coffee just became, like, very attractive men. Yeah, it was really funny. Like, all of a sudden, I was just like, what happened? Yeah, it was like Joe and the Juice of Soho circa 2019. Except... If you know, you know. Except in, like, the foothills of Los Angeles. <laughs> Shout so outs to funny. the handsome men at Reborn Coffee. We're grateful. Oh my gosh. All right, let's move on yeah. from this place and into this episode's dose of reality. Wow, I can't believe we're going to let that air. Shout out to the hamster dance. So obviously, one of the things that bring us joy are the Real Housewives. However, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has been surprisingly triggering to me, which has been a little upsetting because it was supposed to be a safe place away from my grief. And it has made me ugly cry multiple times. Well, I feel like the most triggering part of it is um, the emotional relationship it has forced you to forge with Lisa Rinna. She's trash. <laughs> but I do understand her grief. <laughs> and 
two weeks ago, there was an episode where she breaks down. She's been just so mean and so angry, and it is an expression of her grief, and she does cop to that. And then she just like breaks down in like an ugly cry way. I don't think I've ever seen Lisa Rinna break down before. And she just says like, I don't know how to live without my mom, you guys. And I just lost it because I too do not know how to live without my mom, but I am not acting out in anger. And in case you are actually listening to this, but don't watch The Real Housewives, Lisa Rinna, one of the housewives on Beverly Hills, uh, lost her mother recently, who was um, a, a pretty big fixture on the the um, show seven and years she's been on the show of her life yeah yeah and of course of her life lois but. and lois was amazing yeah she was a great great mother and just like and a great character on the show when she was on yeah the real housewives of beverly hills helping facilitate the processing of my grief i know it's been very shocking to watch I know, because then there was that other episode a couple weeks ago where Kyle was throwing a Hanukkah party and just seeing Kyle throw a Hanukkah party made me think about the Hanukkah parties my mom used to throw. And I was like, I'm never going to get to go to another Hanukkah party that my mom throws. And I just lost it again. Yes, but we will throw them. Yes, we will. We have her Hanukkah cookie recipe. Mm -hmm. We're going to do the whole thing. But yeah, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has been, I think, incredibly entertaining. Um, If you have been watching... There was probably one of the funniest bits that I've seen where they were talking about a very important charity. Indeed. Indeed. But, the, you know, it with the, not uh, it's an unfortunate great name. name. It's unfortunate. And the name is, and I'm going to try it because I think I've got it. It's Homeless Not Toothless. Yes, it's <laughs> I'm homeless. sorry, I was going to try and say it without laughing. It's Homeless Not it's Toothless. It's so rude. But none of the women can get it right. They're like, toothless, not homeless, homeless and toothless. It's like, they just can't get it right. I mean, look, it's a beautiful organization, like basically like helping people who are unhoused with With free dental work. Yeah, with free dental work. It's amazing. Like so great. But the, the, it's a long name, homeless, not toothless. Just the, the, using the word toothless seems comical, especially as you're like saying homeless, not toothless. And just the, the moment of, Kathy Hilton leaning into Garcelle's ear and the camera person who caught that just as she was like, homeless not do this, homeless not do this, homeless not do this. I'm just going to keep, I'm going to call you in the middle of the night and just say this over and over to you. And she, and they had her saying it for like 20 seconds. It, it was, was very crazy. Funny. It was very funny. I had not laughed like that. I had to pause. Now, what's interesting is one of the big dramas of this season of Beverly Hills is... Everybody versus Sutton, because Sutton is a little bit more outspoken. She doesn't have the alliances that a lot of the like longtime cast members have. And she's an easy target because she will open her mouth and stick her foot in it. But I really like Sutton and I feel like she's been speaking power to truth. But it's really been like Erica and Lisa Rinna teaming up to go and take Sutton down. And I feel like it's very obvious that that's what's happening and that Sutton's in the right. But then I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people don't agree with me. So I'm just curious who of our gazers is team Sutton and who is team not Sutton? I mean, a lot, at least if you like pay attention to like Housewives Twitter, there's like a huge Sutton um, contingent. But I think that it's also just that they are very jealous of... Sutton and Garcelle because they have been uh, like fan favorites since they got on the show. And so 
to be two housewives, you know, particularly talking about Erica and Lisa, who've been on for a long time and have been in a lot of drama. They're jealous. They're jealous. And so I think that that's a big issue that they're dealing with. I can't remember who it was, but I was listening to an interview with somebody where they had asked them, it was a housewife, and they'd asked them, like, who has the most powerful online following? And it was Sutton. Wow. And if you say anything, like, negative about Sutton, like, her fans are the most vocal and intense. They call themselves sluttons. I love that. Yeah. Because they're sluts for Sutton. Yeah. And look, I understand why some people don't like her. Like, yeah, she's not a perfect person. No, she has like, you know, a lot of like, anxiety issues that play out in really self-involved ways. And she has said some like arguably racist-ish things. And tasteless things. Yeah, and, and tasteless things. things that she has apologized for, tried to clarify, but I still think that leaves a really bad taste in people's mouths for obvious reasons. Yes. So um, I just think, though, in the scope of the arguments that are occurring, like, I don't... I'm more team Sutton Garcelle because it's really those two pitted against Erica and Lisa at the end of the day. Yeah. Ooh, and Garcelle made the whole comment about like when somebody was like referring to like, well, we've all just known each other for a long time in reference to... to How close they all are? Yeah, to all the like somewhat, I guess you would call them the more OGs of the cast, the current cast. Yeah. And Garcelle was just like, yes, we know you say it every other day. I was living for that. I know. Garcelle uh, gives no fucks. She's going to be the center square moving forward. Yes. I think if she that would be amazing. And, She'll stick around. And Kyle is, uh, moves on. She's paid her dues. She'll stick around. Um, okay. This is really just like a housewife's corner. And no, I want to talk about bargain block. Oh yeah. But I want to talk about real housewives of Atlanta. Okay. Because that's also been a really great season so far. It has. Yeah. It's, it's been, been juicy, oh uncomfortable, God. hilarious. So, so funny. The and return of Sheree. The return of Sheree, which I've just been so happy for. And kind of the weird, obnoxious downfall, I arguable downfall of Marlo. Yeah, but like she didn't have that far to fall. <laughs> but she has, I mean, she, I, I mean, I've always loved Marlo. And the reality is I still love Marlo, even oh, yeah. though she's been acting terribly. She's insane. She's unhinged. Um, I never thought, I used to feel like some kind of way about Kenya, but um, I've grown to really like Kenya. Um, or at least I feel like I understand her more now. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see her and Marlo like arguing, I mean, and Kenya does some petty ass shit. Well, they both do. They both and do. And they both think they're right. And they're both Aquarians. So watching Kenya and Marlo go at it oh is gosh. like watching two Aquarians. And it's so wild because a big thing an Aquarius do will just like disengage. So to watch them both like fight with each other, but then also like try to ghost each other, it, it, it doesn't it's really crazy. work and makes for crazy television. And we've yeah. been enjoying it. Yeah. But really seeing particularly Marlo go after Candy for not any real good reason, that has been like frustrating to watch. Oh and my Candy God. is not going to Candy take is it. not having it. When Marlo tried to assert that like Candy was only famous in Atlanta and Candy's like, bitch, I'm worldwide. That was one of the greatest moments. Because Candy rarely loses it. But to see her lose it oh, was so good. Well, and of course, to see her do what she does best and market and sell that because then she immediately came out with like 
Bitch, I'm worldwide t-shirts. No, and stop a hat it. Oh my gosh. And, wow. Yeah. I want to get a hat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because bitch, I'm worldwide. You are not. Actually, I, we are. We have I'm people worldwide. around the world. Yes, you yeah. are. Yes, you are. I'm sorry. You are worldwide. Yeah. Shout out to Iceland. Yes. Shout out to Indonesia. New Zealand. Shout out to Brazil. Australia. Yes, we know you're listening. It and might we... be one of you. <laughs> But that's okay. But we know at least one of you are listening in all of those parts of the world. And thank you. Thank you. We see you, we hear you, and we hope you get the Real Housewives. Okay, and you also wanted to bring up Bargain Just block. so people don't think the only reality TV we watch is The Housewives. Right. We've been watching the show called Bargain Block, which is really sweet. It's this gay couple. They are renovating homes in Detroit to try to revitalize that neighborhood. And they do it all for like a very, very small budget, but there's a lot of creativity and it's just nice to see more gay representation. They're like a real couple. They keep it queer. They're not like straight washed. And it's just fun to watch that whole dynamic. It's it's an easy, low stress, low stakes watch. If you're looking for something to hold you and make you laugh and smile. And you know, we all love to see the reveal and it happens every episode, which is what's so good about it is like you see the house at the beginning of the episode and they're short episodes, y'all. They're like 42 minutes and you get two houses per episode. Yeah, you get two reveals. And then you get two reveals to see all the fun work that they've done. And one of them is like the carpenter builder and the other is like the artist designer. And the artist designer, I would say... 85% of the time does a really great job and 15% of the time makes really bad decisions because you got (laughs) to risk big to win big and sometimes you fail big. Yeah. And it's hilarious when they fail big. Yeah, they theme every house in like a really bold way. Yeah, like the safari house. Yeah, or... um, Yeah, they did one that was really fun where they were going to do like a country estate home. And then they had this woman come in and she was like, I'll buy this house. But what if you changed it to urban estates? And they like switched it up and um, fully did like cool, like like street art style graffiti in her closet. And um, yeah, but it definitely does some like interesting, some interesting artwork. For sure. But he like creates all types of art, you know, original art pieces for all the shows because they are all the houses because they sell them uh, furnished, furnished as well. You're buying the fantasy. Yeah. And the best was that he had done one and put a self portrait in the living room, which I thought was hysterical. He had like painted his own self portrait with that, which that was actually that makes real sense around his signs. So we were like guessing what signs they were and trying to figure it out. And we were wrong on both. We were really, really wrong. They were Um, really hard to peg. Yeah. Super hard to peg. Um, but it makes sense that the one who painted his self portrait was a Capricorn. That's Keith, right? Yeah. Keith. What's the other one's name? Evan. Evan. And Evan's a Leo. Who doesn't, I mean, he's like kind of a secret Leo. Secret Leo for sure. Yeah. You don't really, you don't really see that. But maybe he's a Leo in like the seventh house. So like you'd only see his Leo if you're like in relationship with him, you know? And he's got a lot of Virgo Definitely. Nature, you can tell he's so, got Virgo placements yeah, for sure. You can tell he's just like very like practical. Like what are we doing? Totally. Evan. Keith and Evan, if you ever listen, sweet goddess, we would love to have you on the show. Sure. How fun would that be? That would be so fun. I know. How what how you connect to the spirit of a home. Right. What if I'm they sure would like design? I know I want them to like design a house like astrology themed or like tarot themed oh well they did do one that was like the new age house yeah but they you know it was just like it was just like light and bright and like spiritual yeah, yeah. Zen. They had like a buddha statue yeah exactly 
All right. Well, we'll collab. Yeah. Let's do a collab. I'd guys. love that. No, totally. Bargain Block Spiritual Gaze collab. What's right. up? Right. Let's do it. All right. Speaking of astrology, we are here to do a deep dive for y'all into the upcoming Mars retrograde because it is going to be a long time of Mars in Gemini. Yeah. So we want to talk about Mars in Gemini, period, and then also the retrograde and the shadow because Mars is going to be in Gemini for seven months. So we should probably try to unpack a little bit of what that means. So strap on your strap on and get ready for this episode's deep dive. All right. So Mars is a planet that helps us take action. Mars is a planet? Mars can be kind of aggressive. Mars is how we get shit done. Mars is how we get energy. And Mars, every two years, decides to moonwalk for a little bit. So To moonwalk? Yeah. Moving backwards. <laughs> so fun. I know, right? Isn't that fun? Just imagine Mars moonwalking in Gemini. Get it, girl. So, you know, we had Mars retrograde in Aries back in 2020. And now... About two years later, Mars is retrograding through Gemini. Yeah, if you recall that last Mars retrograde, it was a Mars retrograde all throughout 2020 of Mars and Aries. And so we all became real, um, I think, masters of the Mars retrograde energy because when Mars goes <laughs> into a retrograde place... And he couldn't do anything. Yeah, it's hard to move. It's now hard to uh, do things. Now that having been said, you know Mars is most at home in Aries. It's it's one of the signs that Mars rules. So to be retrograde in that sign really brought things to a halt. I feel like Mars and Gemini will be a little bit more of like stop start stop start. It won't be like a full you know shutdown of forward movement. But you can look back to what was happening um, in the second half of 2020 to give you a sense of that. Uh, but yeah, we want to break down what does Mars do, we want to break down Gemini, and we want to prognosticate a little bit about what we might be expecting, and give you the real specifics of when is the retrograde specifically, when is the shadow, what does the shadow mean, when is it out of the shadow, all of this good stuff. So, where do you want to start, babes? Yeah, well, I think actually, where do I want to start with just, again, talking, you know, elaborating more on Mars. You know, I know you really gave like a, a nice little overview, but... It was a cliff notes at best. But it was good. I mean, it is. It's, it's action, it's intention, it's motivation. So, you know, wherever Mars is in your chart, it gives a sense of like, you know, what motivates you, how you take action, um, what, uh, you know, intention do you respond to, you know, or, or, or act, how you activate things in your life. And so, you know, when Mars shifts into different signs, it gives us an idea of, you know, okay, so how is, how are we going to be taking action? What will be motivating us, just collectively speaking? When Mars comes around into Gemini, I feel like it really takes action with intellect, you know, like it comes from a mental place because Gemini is ruled by Mercury it's all about, you know, curiosity and communication. So we take action with those things in mind, you know. And 
um, you know, Mars in Gemini really wants to apply the mind to a task. You know, it, it will ask questions and and really consider too. I think like what they're giving their energy to. You know, and they're still going to be quick to a task because you know Mars is that inherent Aries energy. Um, but Gemini moves quickly too. So there is still this like quickness behind things, but they also really need to involve communication in the process to feel fully engaged in what they're doing. Um, you know, and they also bring like, you know, wit and, you know, real observation, uh, you know, into any task, you know, like they're going to approach things from a place of like wanting to understand yeah. the why. Yeah. You know, that's a big Gemini question. Why? Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like a child. I mean, Gemini is the first air sign of the Zodiac. So think of a child who's like really charming and like wants to ask like a lot of questions and understand things. That can be Gemini. But then also think of like a really precocious, snotty little child that is like too smart for their own good that like makes you want to pull your hair out. And that is also Gemini. <laughs> right. And so we're going to experience all sides of Gemini. And it's important, I think, to just remind everyone that Gemini is the sign of the twins. Gemini is duality. And so when any planet is in Gemini, you generally have to do things twice. So if Mercury is in Gemini, you got to say it twice. You got to think it twice. If Venus is in Gemini, you're going to have two relationships or two things that you value. Because it is about curiosity and choices and multiple possibilities, Gemini kind of wants to walk both roads at the same time. So I think it might be interesting, even with the retrograde, things might be happening quickly. Mars in Gemini, Mars is fast, Gemini is fast, like you were saying. But I also think things might be happening quickly that we were then going to have to like review or do again. And nothing that I think happens during the retrograde is something that I would like bet on uh, to last. Things might uh, kind of show up and then disappear and then show up in another way again, because there is also this like mutable nature of Gemini, right? It's a mutable sign, meaning that it can shapeshift and transform and it can adapt to the situation, which also makes Gemini's really great liars. Um, that's low vibe Gemini. Like a Gemini can lie to you and you will believe it because a Gemini knows exactly how to tell you what you want to hear so that you Wasn't will. that last president of ours a Gemini? Whoop. And I whoop. So there's also that. And I do think Mars and Gemini is like lying and disagreements and spats. And Gemini is your neighborhood and your community. So there's going to be a lot of like tension in that capacity and with siblings because Gemini is brothers and sisters and your kin. And so it's like an opportunity to explore how we're taking action around all of these themes. And it's probably going to be a little messy. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, any, I mean, what's interesting is, you know, the idea of like doing things twice it is also just um, part of the retrograde nature. So in a way, it's like kind of nice because that it's in Gemini because it's already to be expected that we'll have to do things again. Totally. You know, yeah, to some degree. Yeah, it almost like cancels, it's, it cancels each other out. So in a way, it's just like important to remember the, the headline of any retrograde, which is slow down. Like when we have a Mercury retrograde, we always say like, slow down the communication, right? Mm -hmm. Slow down the planning mm -hmm. um, because you do have to really like listen and that, you know, that's where the confusion comes in and the breakdown comes in is because 
everyone's mind is still trying to move at the usual rate, but you know, the listening is is not moving at the same rate. Yeah. And I feel like that's what the Mars retrograde is. Everyone's going to be trying to move at the same rate, but the response isn't going to be at the same level. Yeah. So you have to be willing to just like cultivate some greater patience and slow the F down. And the way we always think about why planets are moving backwards is because they are trying to gather up something that they dropped or something they didn't see the first time. So when it's Mercury retrograde, there's like a piece of information that you're going back to understand. But with Mars, it feels like a piece of motivation. And especially in Gemini, it's like there's a new why that we need to discover. And sometimes, again, because Mars is aggressive, Mars is a planet of war, it's like something new that gets us angry, that gets us up off our ass to like fight for what's important to us. Uh, So I think Mars is going backwards to help us figure out what is that why that we missed, that crucial piece of motivation or activation. The thing that like, you know, you... You've got a six burner stove, but for whatever reason, like that sixth burner just didn't turn on. And so Mars is going back to figure out how to light it. And in order to light that last burner, you realize that like, oh, well, the whole gas line like missed this one burner and the whole thing is set up wrong. So it's like there's more unpacking to do. And we just have to be patient with ourselves and patient with process. Yeah. So to me, I feel like it's just a lot of trying to answer the question, why am I doing this? Mm, you know, why you, am I doing this? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's going to be some of the retrograde energy is taking a moment, like offers an opportunity to take a moment and look around at everything and be like, okay, wait, well, why did I sign up for this? Why am I doing this? You know, like, why did I sign up for this job Girl. or this relationship Girl. or, you know, this way of being? Girl. You know, this way of doing things. Girl, this I feel schedule. very attacked. <laughs> I feel very attacked. Right well, now. why? I'm just why? I'm just kidding. Explain yourself. I can't. <laughs> and I won't. It's okay. You don't have to right now. Thank you. But I'm coming for you again in three hours. No. Um, But I think, yeah, the why am I doing this is going to be important. And so I think wherever you have Gemini in your chart, and particularly um, the degrees of 8 to 25 in Gemini, you know, that's where the retrograde is going to happen. Wherever that is in your chart, there's going to be a lot of questioning around why am I doing this? Why am I being this way? You know, um, why am I thinking this way? Yeah, because it still has Gemini involved. So there's still the mercurial aspect to it, even though it's not a Mercury retrograde. So, um, but interestingly, we do have a Mercury retrograde that occurs right before the Mars retrograde happens. So I think it's all um, intertwined with the why questioning, but also, yeah, how the mind works in relation to then how we take action. I think it's interesting on a global level that like we came out of this pandemic and I say come out in quotation marks because obviously COVID's still happening. My dad just got it. It's like not going anywhere, but we've come out of the acute period of that particular pandemic. And a lot of people were like, I got to just like move forwards with my life. I got to go to Greece. I got to get back to the mall. Like I miss Target. Like fuck this, I'm getting back out into the world. And I get that, because I also miss Target, too. Do you? I don't miss Target. Well, that's on you. <laughs> 
But what maybe we didn't all fully do was integrate what we had learned in that acute period of lockdown and pandemic. And so I think the Mercury retrograde coupled with the Mars retrograde, it's like, I'm going to think back and then I'm going to act back. And maybe that will help us move forwards in ways that are more aligned with the story we actually want to be telling for our future. So we shall see. The Mercury retrograde, which is not what this deep dive is about, though, is Mercury retrograding from Libra back into Virgo, where Mercury thrives. So I think it will be about themes of like partnership, Libra, and process, Virgo, and like how are we really going to tend to the moment that we're on? I've been talking a lot about Virgo energy is like, and we should talk about it because like sun is about to move into Virgo. So we should understand this for the, you know, our last month of summer. But Virgo is all about tending to the process. Virgo is like, what step of this process am I on right now? That's all I can deal with, you know? And so we might be invited. Virgo also is another mutable sign, squares Mercury. So that will also be part of this story. Uh, squares Gemini, um, and so we might also just be like, okay, what part of the process of like integration or like moving out into the world are we? What part of rebuild are we? Are we still tearing down or are we just starting to like build back up again? And I think those are like good guiding questions for your own personal life too. As you're like asking the why, also ask like where, like where in this process am I? Like, am I in the research and development phase or am I in like the launching phase? Right. Yeah, and it may just depend on where it is in your chart and what your relationship is to that area at this point. So um, I know for myself, I have Mars. It's actually going to be in my second house when it retrogrades, mm. but it will retrograde back into my first house because I use Placidus, so I'm not doing whole house signs. So... Um, Gemini, I have an 18 degree uh, perimeter between my first house and my second house, 18 degree Gemini perimeter. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm actually going to get a, a lot of it, probably more of it in my, more of the retrograde in my first house. Mm, how you're thinking about your identity. Yeah. I think how I take action or, you know, around my identity, what motivates my identity. And how you like speak into the world. Yeah. Well, it's so funny that that those themes are already coming up for me. I was just thinking about this the other day because I am someone because of all of my 12th, because of my 12th house son, but also all of my other 12th house stuff. It's a slew. It's a and slew my Mars 12th house planets. Yeah. And my Mars in Pisces even more so I would say. Yeah. I easily absorb people around me. Like I've always noticed that like, you know, I, um, for years, like had a best friend. I always feel like, you know, like I was that guy who like in junior high, like my best friend, I had matching jackets, you know, like in high school, like my best friend and I, oh, wow, we also had matching jackets. Um, Like I always kind of take on some traits of like the person I'm closest to. Well, we do not have matching jackets. We don't have matching jackets, but I even was thinking about this the other day that I'm like, oh, like I do feel like I've, absorbed some like identifying things you know like we were at the nail salon yesterday getting like mani pedis and like i was never really like a person comfortable with like painting my nails which you have been a person very comfortable it's crucial it's, with that it's a building block of my personality yeah but i think the difference between our relationship is that you like strike such a firm strength of persona for yourself. 
So on some level, it's like forced me to like figure out what that means for myself. So I was even recognizing that. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I guess in a way, like I have absorbed some things that are like identifiers um, in my identity. But I still feel on some level like I'm like, okay, but who the fuck is Angel Lopez exactly? Well, he's a cartoon character that was taken <laughs> over by an entity in a mirror from his parents' bedroom back when he was three years old. Oh, my God. This is how the Aquarian brain works. <laughs> Fascinating. So I'm a sci-fi character. Yeah. All right. I mean, I like it. I'll write this play. <laughs> um but, you know, I was, like, having that thought, like, legitimately. I was just like, wait, who the fuck is Angel Lopez? Like, really, you know? Because, like, it's just, like, an interesting question, right? To yeah. just be like, yeah, exactly. Who, what is the defining, what are my defi defining traits? What is my identity exactly? Your identity is based on what you do. I think that's actually very Mars. And but Mars that's and Mars Gemini. and Gemini in the it's first like, house, right? Yeah, and, like, you can sit around and think about who you are until the cows come home, the proverbial cows, because... I don't know if the cows are ever going to come home to me up here on the hill. Uh, but I think who you are is what you do. And if you're trying to understand who you are, just look back at what you've done and that will help you make sense of it. And if you don't like what you've done, then you ask yourself, why did I do that? And then start doing different things, you know? So that I think is like an amazing preface for the Mars, you know, this big, long Mars travel. For me, for anyone who has Mars touching their first house at all, like that's a big thing. But then of course, Mars in the second house is going to be a lot about like uh, how I value myself and, you know, how I take action around my values, how I am motivated by money and having to reconsider like that relationship, right? With like money and resources and what, what I really value, you know, why do I value that? is going to be like a big question, I imagine, for me as part of like the Mars retrograde in Gemini. So give them the dates. Let everybody know what they're what they're up against. So we just shifted into, uh, Mars just shifted into Gemini on August 20th. And um, it's going to be there all the way through uh, March 25th. Of 2020. Of 2023, exactly. That's when it will enter Cancer. But right now it's direct up through Halloween, October 31st. Which is why we planned our retreat. P.S. Come to our retreat in the Berkshires. Oh, because yeah. Should we throw, just like do a quick... Uh, Hey plug for our retreat. Yeah. We have a big retreat coming up October 28th through the 31st. It's called Aligning with Your Inner Guide. And we are going to do a bunch of astrology work. We'll integrate tarot into it. Breath work. Breath work. We're going to do some ancestor stuff because we are going to be right around Halloween, mm -hmm. which is when the veil is thin and connecting to some luminous ancestors for healing and guidance. And we planned all of this to take advantage of Jupiter and Pisces because yep. Jupiter will be back in Pisces and also literally right before Mars stations retrograde. So it'll be the last few hours of Mars direct until, um, you know, December. Yeah. And honestly, I think we really wanted to give people fuel going into the Mars Gemini season or the retrograde season for like this deeper questioning, right? Like we want to open up the portal for like, all right, what can you really be like thinking about during this Mars retrograde season? Like what, why questions can you be asking yourself? Oh, we should definitely like do a bit. Well, we can do like a whole little Mars Gemini section during the retreat. Um, yeah, we'll work that out. 
because I really want people to like be able to leave with some deeper understanding of like, okay, now that I'm going off into this Mars retrograde period, and the retrograde period is October 31st through January 12th. Oh, gosh, long. Yeah. So, you know, you want to go into it really having like a clear sense. And that's why we're doing this podcast too, um, just to help you kind of be like, okay, preparing yourself for the questions. But anyhow, just to button that up, it's at the Kripalu Center in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Which is like gorgeous. It's like a hundred acres of like nature and mountains and a lake. And it's just like pastoral magic. Yeah. And there'll be like some space for like free time. So you can like, you know, wander the grounds or, or what like have they you. have yoga classes that they teach and there's like, yeah. And there's housing there. So you can go onto our website, thespiritualgaze.com. We have a little retreat tab that you can go to, or you can go to Kripalu, K-R-I-P-A-L-U's website and just search the spiritual gaze, I guess. And you can read all about it there. So hope you come join us. It's going to be yeah. fun. Coming out with us for a long weekend and let us get all astrological. Yes. All right, now back to the Mars retrograde. Okay, so the retrograde is <laughs> October 31st through January 12th. Exactly, yeah. And so it will retrograde from 25 degrees all the way back to 8 degrees. Okay, so I just want to say, being a good astrologer here, if y'all can help it, I wouldn't try to launch anything in that time period. Like, I wouldn't want to launch anything new with a Mars retrograde. No, if you've already been working on something. Fine. I think, and you have to like, yeah, turn it out or put it out there in the world. Yeah, I think that's fine. But it's probably going to come back to you. Yeah, you'll have to refine it or do some other work with it. But if you're like, maybe I should like start a new business, I wouldn't do it. No. Think about it. Follow a line of inquiry around it. Yeah. But I think you can do it while Mars is still in Gemini, even in the shadow phase after January 12th, because I think you'll do it like better resourced. Yeah. Having known everything you know. Um, but yeah, then it's, you know, shifts back um, direct on January 12th and then it'll be there to March 25th. And just so you know, like, you know, the shadow phase. So the shadow phase is when it's in those degrees, um, the eight to 25 degree window. So um, they're basically walking back along the path that they already moonwalked over. Right. Or I always like the, you know, the the way you describe it about like the dropping something. Yeah. You're on a hike, you drop your keys, but you don't realize it until you've already hiked a mile. So then you got to turn around and go pick up your keys. That's the retrograde. When you pick up your keys, you're like, well, there's still daylight. I still want to do some hiking. So then you you walk that mile forwards. And when you walk that mile forwards to the spot where you realized, oh, fuck, I dropped my keys, but now you have your keys. That's the shadow. So let's apply it to this date. So on August 20th, you leave for the hike. Yeah, we've all we've all begun the hike. Yes, on August twentieth, you leave for the hike. Right. So then, on September fourth, is when we first hit eight degrees. So that's when you drop your keys, but you don't know you've dropped your keys, but you've dropped your keys. Yeah. So you're opening up this really like the window for the for the retrograde story. Bingo. Yeah. And then the retrograde happens on October thirty first, which is when you realize, oh shit, I am on a hike and I do not have my keys. Exactly. Where did I lose my fucking keys? Why you were looking for your keys at that point? Because you just like had your hands in your pocket and then you're like, wait, shouldn't my keys be here? Right, right, right. (sighs) Then you go back and you walk all the way back through the retrograde, which is through January 12th. When you find your keys and you're like, oh my goddess, thank God they're still here. Right. 
And then you turn back around. Because you had a lot of coffee that morning and you're like, <laughs> I could go back to my car, but honestly, it's 11 a.m. and I want to get this hike in. I want to see that view. I got to get to the top of that damn mountain. So you yes. so you keep going forwards with my your keys now. Insta stories needs this photo. Mm. And you keep going and then it gets to the end of the shadow phase on March 16th. So on March 16th is when it gets back to 25 degrees. So that's when you get back to that part in the trail when you realize that's as far as you got because you were like, oh, without my keys, I really shouldn't go any further. And so now you have your keys and you get to that spot. And you're like, okay, now I get to go further. Right. And then it basically goes um, through March 25th. And then you enter cancer. So there you go, everybody. Yeah. You go home. Well, you, you get your picture, you get your selfie oh, yeah. at the top of the mountain, and then you go home. And then you're like, oh, I just want like a big ass comfort meal right now yeah. and a blanket and some socks. And I want to watch that bargain block show that the spiritual mm. gays were talking about. Money. You can just watch like five episodes. Yeah, that sounds so great. easy. It's so let's, easy. Let's wrap up this podcast so we can go do that. <laughs> so basically, that is the timeline that we're all working with during this retrograde phase. And again, really getting a sense of what house, you know, if you can get a sense of what house, but if anything too, if you just know your planetary placements, do you have any placements in Gemini? Do you have any mutable placements that are going to be, you know, triggered by some sort of, you know, transit um, angle? Yeah. Important. Because especially if you have planets that are going to be, uh, aspected by mars or conjunct mars like you have planets in gemini keep in mind that like mars is a planet that has a lot of energy so it's gonna either fuck those planets or fight those planets you know like that's what's happening yeah something that hasn't been talked about much or at least i haven't heard it talked about much that i think is interesting is that you know we've been going through this jupiter retrograde right now too mm -hmm. in aries mm -hmm. and it also went to eight degrees mm. of aries so it's just interesting that these two are both hitting eight degree points. They sextile each other, Aries and Gemini. So it is like a, a nice little helpful, like, hey, you can do it, nudge. So it's interesting, I think, to even pay attention to like where you're having Jupiter transit in your chart. Because I do think there is like some sort of correlation there to like just... um how to act a bit more from a place of joy and optimism and instinct, intuition with Aries. Beautiful. All right, kids. Well, we hope that was useful. Let us know if it was. And if it wasn't, um, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're sorry if you waste if you feel like you wasted your time. Yeah, I don't know we're sorry. What to I say. Guess. You know, nobody's left us a review in a really long time, so this oh would be a good gosh. moment just to say, like, "Hey, you listening to us, having a good time, feeling close and connected? Leave us a review. That'd oh be so God. nice. That'd be so useful. We would love that. We Maybe would. everyone who listens has already left a review. That's very." <laughs> possible but we'd love some new reviews for 2022 why not that feels like a retrograde thing a review yeah. leave a review how about this y'all if you leave a review before the retrograde oh so wait, if you what? leave a review up until october 31st okay and you know like if you leave a review maybe like screen grab it and like email it to us so we can keep track of y'all 
we will give you the workshop of your choice in November. So if you want to come to Breathwork for free, or you want to come to Spirit World Circle for free, or Astro Club for free, you will get a free workshop in November. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so it's not even a contest. It's just a... It's just, it's just a... It's a giveaway. It's a fucking giveaway, because <laughs> you deserve it. It's a motherfucking walk-off. It's a motherfucking walk-off. All right, let's bring this in for a landing, everybody. And what that means is it's time for our episode's tarot card. So take a moment, close your eyes, unless you're operating heavy machinery. Take a couple nice deep breaths. You are safe in your body. You are safe in your heart. You are safe in this moment. We're just asking for one card to give us the guidance the encouragement, the clarity that we need to move forward until we meet again. And just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. So the message that we need right now is the Five of Swords. Ooh, see a tough message. So the Five of Swords is a battlefield. It's the aftermath of a war. Swords are mental. And it kind of shows us the aftermath of how we've been at war with ourselves. It's an important moment where we start to understand how we are leaking mental energy, how we are enabling our inner saboteur. It's a time for reflection inwards where you notice like, okay, what are my triggers? How am I letting myself be triggered and letting those things run the show essentially? And what we see in this card is at the very, very back, in the background, is this like little figure who's got their head in their hands, and they're just like fucking despondent. And that's us. That's us when we allow the swords of the mind to get the best of us. The good news about the Five of Swords is it's a little bit about like mental energy healing, which is like once you understand those negative patterns, once you slice that parasite open, it's not going to come back. So for the next, you know, couple weeks until we meet again, just start to notice like, where is my mental energy leaking? Where am I making things harder than they need to be? Where am I suffering over my own suffering? Where is how I talk to myself making everything harder? And once you start to notice that, you can make the conscious choice to do it differently because you do not deserve to be at war with yourself. It's mental contraction. Fives are contractions, so it could feel like writer's block, like there's no other way to think about this, there's no other options, but there totally are. And I really believe that like you, like the real you, you would never talk to yourself that way. So like when you are letting your inner critic tear you down, when you are telling yourself like you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not thin enough, whatever, that's not you. That's a voice of culture that you've absorbed and that you are allowing to be broadcasted inside your own head. Because you would only tell yourself that you are amazing, that you are worthy, and that you are infinitely lovable exactly as you are. That's what the true you would tell yourself. So if it's not along those lines, it's not you. And the Five of Swords helps us understand, is it coming from us, or is it coming from somewhere else that's been internalized? So there you go. Snaps to that, yo. It's not you. You wouldn't talk that way. Is that a Madonna song? It is. She's not me. Well, thank you for that. 
That was a reading in all caps, y'all. Okay. Um, we are so grateful for you for listening for to our show. We uh, hope that you got some useful information out of it. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're taking care of yourselves, drinking water, staying hydrated. Taking your vitamins. Take your vitamins, loving yourself. It's important. Um, if you want to find out anything and all things about us, you can uh, go to our website, thespiritualgaze.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom of that first page and sign up for our newsletter. It's a twice monthly newsletter that comes out and uh, you get uh, really great monthly homoscopes. You get information on everything we have going on. Yeah, we align them with the new moon and the full moon. Yeah, so we have a new moon coming up soon. So you'll get taroscopes with the new moon and you get homoscopes with the full moon. Yeah, we got a Virgo new moon. She's coming up soon. Ooh, girl, she's square my Chiron. Hey. Um, you can also find us at the Spiritual Gaze on Instagram, Spiritual Gaze on Twitter, Spiritual Gaze on Facebook. Spelled correctly, of course. The scammers are still scamming. Yes. Scammers gonna scam. Scammers gonna scam all times. Um, but uh, yeah, you can uh, always just reach out to us too. You can email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com if you have any questions for us. Or love notes or poems that have moved you recently. Because, you know, this is a community and we want to feel connected to you. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see you um, at one of our upcoming uh, community offerings, Breathwork, Astro Club, Spirit World Circle. Again, you can find out all the information on those on our website when we have them coming out. Until next time, this has been your transit through the, the Spiritual, spiritual Game. game.